Join Jessica Smith on the Like a Girl podcast, where she defies odds, shares inspiring stories, and empowers women to embrace their inner leaders. Tune in for a transformative journey. So we are now in sunny California. It is a fresh start. I am excited to just start over and my mom is with us so I think I mentioned before that you know just needing her to get away from Chicago and come with me, I knew that she wouldn't say no. And then in the back of my mind, I also knew that that meant that she would have no choice but to get clean. So, you know, that, that, that excitement was, was there too. And I know she knew, I mean, we didn't, we didn't have to talk about it to know that this meant, you know, there was no leaving on the weekends to go get high and then come back when it was time to watch the kids. So that was exciting. And something to really look forward to. But we're there and, as I said, our apartments are set up. Mark and Paul had everything there. Movers moved our stuff. Our cars were shipped. We were completely set up when we got there. And this was myself, the other sales leader and our warehouse guy. That was it. So we had three employees and then the owners, Mark and Paul, and we're just, we're just excited. Now, even though my brother had been gone for a while, but you know, by this time, this this guy just he's he's off and on off and on and i i never got away from him well usually where i was he was not far behind i mean that that's just how it went but you know i i was tired by that time and like i said i felt responsible for his addiction moving from, you know, one level to another. But I was just happy not to have that burden of having to, you know, just just always worry about him. So all of these were part of, you know, the deciding factors for me and just part of 
this journey of feeling like I'm just starting all over. And of course, there was my family who just thought I was completely out of my mind. It's like you've accomplished so much. You have this house. You're successful. Why would you pick up and sell your home and move across the country to such an expensive place where you don't even know if you'll ever be able to own a home again? But, you know, what I knew is that I trusted these guys. I mean, first of all, they were already rich before we went to California. And by far the smartest business people that I had ever known the only mentors that I had ever had. And they have, by this point, taught me so much, so much. And not just about sales and leadership, but just life lessons, goals, finances. I remember we had a meeting. Uh, Mark had called me into his office to talk about my goals of wanting to own a home and buy a new car one day, a luxury car at that. That was one of my goals. And He just gave me so much information that I didn't have. You know, there's many people that you learn from your parents about saving money and credit and all of that good stuff. And I wasn't privileged with that information. And he taught me all of that and not just gave me the information, but he helped. I remember when he said one of the ways that we're going to get your credit. It's not that I, by that time, it's not that I had bad credit. I just didn't have any credit established. I might've had old phone bills or something, you know, that, that I had and maybe a hospital bill or two. There were some negative things on there, but it was really just not a lot of credit established. And I remember him saying, so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get a copy of your credit report. And I had no idea even where to get that back then. And we got a copy of my credit report, kind of went through everything line by line. He said, okay, so next thing we're going to do is dispute everything. And I'm like, okay, well, half the stuff I didn't even remember what it was anyway. Disputed everything. And he said, as we're going through this process, I'm going to 
take money out of your paycheck and I'm going to put it aside. And when the whatever's left on there that is not taken off through the dispute process, then we're going to go to those creditors and negotiate settlements. But when you do that, you have to have the money ready in hand to settle those accounts. So we're going to make sure that you have money set aside to do that. I'm like, okay. I like it 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 didn't matter what whatever it was that he told me. I just followed his directions and it worked out and eventually Oh, the last thing, (laughs) this actually makes me laugh when I think about it. The last thing that he did is, I'll never forget, he put my name on his Bank of America credit card. And he said, this is going to really get you jump-started because you are going to get the credit for my history on this card with Bank of America. So, and this was the first time that I had ever had uh, a credit card. However, I had had a little bit of success and, um, you know, had already experienced the Gucci and Louis Vuitton and Tiffany a, a little bit. And so he put me on his credit card He explained to me the importance of paying your monthly payments on time and, you know, what percentage of the card you wanted to make sure that you never went above, but that the credit card wasn't to spend money that you didn't have because you never want to put yourself in a situation where you can't pay off the balance. So I get the credit card and... He didn't tell me this part, but I had called the credit card or maybe it was when I got it activated, whatever. There was a $40,000 limit on this card. And I'm like, holy shit, $40,000? Well, I know I'm, you know, I'm making good money. I, I know I can pay it. So maybe I'll just take a visit to the Louis Vuitton store and try this baby out. And long story short, I get to work on Monday and he calls me in the office and he is pissed. He's like, are you serious right now? I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was 1500 Maybe it was two grand, whatever it was. And he's like, do you have that in the bank? Uh, no. And he's like, so you remember the part about you don't use the credit card unless you have the money in the bank? I said, yeah, well, I mean, I will have the money in the bank after couple paychecks or so 
And that was not, that conversation went in a different direction. Um, I ended up, even though there was, I don't, I think it was, it was 0% for the first 12 months, whatever it was, the next paycheck I didn't have whatever whatever was the bare minimum that I needed um, to to eat and pay my bills is what I had. Everything else he took. Now, was that legal? No, I'm sure not. But <laughs> it was his name was on the line, and he could not believe that I did that. He was so upset. This was definitely a parent moment, and. It was not one that I was proud of after that. I don't even know what I was thinking. I don't, I, I don't know. Oh, oh, no, I do know. I, I think I, was, I wasn't I was thinking that he was going to be all in the business of my credit card because it had my name on it, but not thinking that he, he's smarter than that, right? So that credit card got paid off uh, very quickly between that paycheck and the next paycheck. It was It was paid off. And... I guess he could have asked me to return the purse, but he didn't. So um, that was also the good news. And listen, there were many more of those moments over the years that I made poor decisions and we had to have whole conversations. And just like you would with your parent, I think that um, it was the disappointment right? Because he would say, I- I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. And the the disappointment in me left me not wanting to make those bad choices again. But all of those things got me to the point where I was able to save up to buy that house in Chicago. Um, I was able to buy my brand new Acura MDX with no money down at 2% interest rate. And, you know, it was, it was always understanding that the more responsible you are financially, the more leverage you have to buy and invest and we went over good debt and bad debt. It was just, it was just so much. And I was so thankful and always eager to learn more from him. So by the time we had gotten to California, I think for the most part, I had a lot of things figured out. And you know, first and foremost, whether you use your credit card or not, don't buy shit unless you have the money in the bank. And it was, I had no idea what was in front of me. But like I said, what I did know is that I trusted these guys. I, re- I respected these guys. And it was, um, it, it, it meant, and Really, most importantly, I just trusted God. And I just knew that 
back before I started working for Direct Buy, and I've said this before, I, I just I just prayed all the time. You know, I had a little odd jobs. I worked at Fred's Dollar Store as a cashier. I worked at Red Lobster. I worked at a plastic factory. And every time I just said, Lord, if you just give me that one shot, I just need one shot. I will never look back. And I continued to pray that prayer. And when these guys came into my life and when I got that job, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that that was my shot. And I never looked back. I never looked back. And from day one, every year, there wasn't one year that I did not grow, that I did not develop, that I did not learn, that I did not evolve. And I knew, I knew, I, I knew it wasn't over when they, you know, said they, they were leaving. And as much as I thought there's just no way, there's absolutely no way that I can just up and leave and move across the country. Because remember, like, first and foremost, this guy is, he's on parole. They're, they're not going to give him a, another out-of-state transfer. I can't leave my family. I just bought this house. I, there, there are all the reasons why I couldn't do it. But ultimately... I prayed and prayed and prayed and I trusted, I trusted God and I'm, and I'm just going to step out on faith and not knowing, not even a offer of what the heck kind of money I'm going to make, nothing. And this was a really exciting time in the direct buy business because Thus far, the way that we generated all of our leads was either through referrals, which was not, you know, that was, that was far and few, but through cold calling. So I tell people all the time, like that, that, that really is my, my roots because you worked until Saturday and at the end of the day, Saturday, you better have, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like a hundred leads, okay, that you had cold called that were qualified and interested leads. Now, could you imagine how many, and this wasn't even, we, it wasn't like a um, homeowner's list of people who were planning to remodel their homes. No, this was phone numbers, new phone hookups, you know, renters, every side of town, all over Chicago. And we had 
three other Chicago land locations that we're sharing that Chicago land territory with. It was not an easy task. And here we are at a point in the business where we are advertising now. So we are running these infomercials on television to talk about remodeling, refurnishing, redecorating, building your home. And people are picking up the phone and they are calling us. So these guys had to spend a lot of money to run those commercials in the Bay Area at that time. And we had no idea. We had no idea if this was even going to work. So it's, it's, it's good. It's exciting. But we're all like, okay, is this, is this even going to work? Well, when we first got there, you know, we were just getting settled in. So I remember it was like a month and Mia and I were like hanging out at the pool with the kids. I mean, we're just living it up. Okay. And this is coming from, uh, we, we worked a lot in Chicago. We were working five, six, seven days a week sometimes, even in Chicago. And so we're really enjoying ourselves and we're both like, um, yeah, so uh, are we going to get a paycheck? And I'm like, I don't know. And she's looking at me like, you didn't ask. I'm looking at her like, you didn't ask. And I'm like, well, I'm sure we are. But, you know, I mean, what what are we going to get paid? And what are we going to get paid for? And we don't have any, we had no idea. Well, we used to get paid twice a month. Payday rolled around and I remember calling her saying, I got a paycheck. Did you get a paycheck? Yeah, I got a paycheck too. I got a nice paycheck. Yeah, I got a nice paycheck too. We hadn't worked. So this went on for probably a couple of, I don't know, maybe like, maybe maybe a couple of, of, of months. And I remember it being on the weekend where, Mark and Paul called and said, well, I hope you ladies are settled in and you are ready to work. I need everyone at the office tomorrow morning at 8.30. And we're like, okay, what, 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 what's going on? What are, what, are, what are we doing? Well, it looks like our first run on the commercial seemed to be successful. We have, and I don't remember what it was, 400, 500, whatever it was, it was a crazy number, okay? Leads in the need to be called. And we were like, wait, what? Let me, let me get this straight. So hundreds of people and We're assuming these are people who actually have things to buy called us because they want to come down and see our showroom. Yes. And I just remember, talk about 
excited. If you understood the work that it took to get a hundred qualified and interested leads. So we were ready. We were ready. We, I think we showed up at 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning. And we called those leads and we called and we called and we called. We set so many appointments and we're like, now, now our process is such that when someone comes into our showroom, it's one-to-one. You have one couple with one salesperson. So we're like, okay, this will be the first time the owners, I don't recall it happening too many times in Chicago because we had a full sales team in Chicago. So that was um, also part of the work. So we had to call all of these leads. We had to be the sales people. We had to be the receptionist. And we had a call center to build out. We had a sales team to build. We had a lot of work to do. And it got really crazy really fast. But it was exciting. And when I think about Whenever, this is one of my favorite interview questions when someone asks me the question, tell me about a time that you failed. First thing that comes to mind every time is when we first open the doors of that showroom. Now, the biggest difference in Chicago and California, and specifically, I think this was very specific to the Bay Area, is where we were in Chicago was the northwest side of Chicago, near O'Hare, where it's very borderline Chicago and like Park Ridge, some of those uh, surrounding suburbs. And what you find is very... um, Uh, blue-collar client base. So a lot of Chicago police officers, a lot of uh, teachers, and that was because that was as far out that they could be without leaving the the Chicago city limits and still be, kind of had the feel that they were in the suburbs. So that was really... The, the clientele that we were used to. And when I think about uh, our, our failure in the beginning in the Bay Area, it was really not understanding. Now, we had already done enough homework in terms of the demographics and, you know, the, the, the homes and, and, and the people building and remodeling and all that stuff. But what we did not account for is how different the engineer was, how different that tech industry 
how different that customer was than the customer we would we were used to in Chicago. And why that matters, and this is where I probably became really obsessed, for lack of a better word, with the psychology behind the sale, is because we realize that our proven sales process, I mean, this is something that had over many, many years in many different areas of the U.S. and even into Canada, this sales process that we had was proven. We knew that if we got 10 qualified guests in the door, at minimum, we were going to close half of those. Well, that was not the case and we had to take a step back after, I want to say, that first week, we were probably like, oh, for 15. Painful. And, you know, these guys, I mean, they didn't say it to us, but I'm sure they were thinking like, oh, shit. Like, we're, they're millions into this thing and this this has to work. This is this is not good. And so we just had to take a step back and really look at our sales process and think about the feedback that we were getting of why people were saying no and the different reactions. So and and this is where I think a lot of opportunity still lives in, in 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 sales processes overall. We had this thing down to a science from everything from the moment someone walked in the door, how they were greeted, where they were seated. I talked a little bit about this before, but it was all very well and strategically thought out. And so what we realized is that when you have the majority of your clientele is the same, you have to alter your sales process to speak to that audience specifically. And even though this process had been proven to work in different places, I think that the Bay Area was just that unique where it wasn't, our, our process was designed for the majority and maybe in some places, if you had someone that was an engineer, very um, analytical, and, and, and a lot of what we learned is it wasn't just that they were um, engineers. A lot of these people were, uh, the Bay Area is like a melting pot, right? So a lot of these people were 
uh, foreigners from other countries, which we knew that they would tell you, like, we, they just didn't trust Americans. That was just part of their culture. So when I talk about, tell me about a time that you, that you failed, I tell that story all the time because what we had to do is we had to sit back and, and, and we have to take not just a step back. We had to take a few steps back and really look at this well-oiled machine and say, okay, we're going to have to change some things. As much as we believe in this system and in this process, we got to tweak some things that are going to help us win. And we started that journey by really understanding who our audience was and how they thought. And so it was really honing in on that psychology behind the sale. And I think that's where my passion for that area of the sales process really kind of went to the next level. And we went on the journey to completely rewrite everything. We had to redo our appointment setting process. And I shouldn't say redo. It really was just um, tweaks along the way. But man, it was it was a lot of work. And I've never been so excited to be part of creating something. And that small table with those owners and these guys, again, these are, these are smart um, businessmen. And we did it together. And it wasn't, you're my boss or you work for me. We were partners. We were a team. And we did it together. 